Hi, this is Annette Lackovic and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Today I'm going to be sharing with you about how to do a follow-up call. It's going to be just a basic one, two, three type of setup and it's quite the raw version. However, you will be able to do a follow-up call after this session. If you need something a little bit more tailored though, I want you to check out some of my events that I've got coming up. I have the Ultimate Sales Machine and that be able to give you a deeper look into the sales process and also SUNI and SUNI is stands for Sales University, which is designed for entrepreneurs and people that really need to sell and be able to make sales easy. And that's where you actually get that full tailored experience of working one-on-one with me in a great room of energy with other like-minded um, entrepreneurs and small business owners. So for now, I want you to enjoy this. This is going to be a really great warm-up for you. And then if you need to go deeper and make it a lot more tailored, then I'd love to meet you at one of my events. Hi, this is Annette Lackovich. And you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists, and share the ultimate information, helping you increase your sales, doing what you love. So let's start making some candy for your business. How to do a follow-up call. Well, I'll tell you what, this subject is a massive one. And it's such a tiny piece of the puzzle in having a customer be able to cross that line with you or not. And I find that doing a follow-up call for many people, it brings up many uh, many emotions of, of fears and concerns. You know, doing a follow-up call itself for many people is scary because they don't want to come across pushy or looking salesy or desperate. So today we're going to work on that. It's going to go through how to exactly do your perfect follow-up call. Now, there's many situations where you don't need to do a follow-up call as well. A lot of my clients... Um, you know, I, it depends on what type of customer they want, depending on what type of follow-up they need to do. However, let's just say for this session today is specifically for a customer that you have sat down, you've had some type of a presentation, or perhaps it was a telephone call and it was a conversation with them. And for whatever reason, you didn't get them to cross the line. So you now need to be able to follow them up. The first thing that I discovered was that, and this actually took me some time to actually work out how to do the best follow-up call for myself. And it's exactly the process I'm going to teach you, exactly what the code that I created for myself to make myself successful. Now, some of you listening may have heard me tell my stories of how I started in the sales game many years ago. And it was purely because I was in the health and fitness industry and I loved to exercise and um, I loved to teach classes and I was an instructor and I was running a health club. And there was all these, you know, different things I loved to do with health and fitness. But the one thing I didn't love doing was sales. And um, it was because I was taught a really hard, heavy process. The funny thing is, though, as much as I was taught these really hard, you know, scripting, uh, you know, hardcore type of sales processes, the one thing I was never taught was how to do a follow-up call. So I would go into my office and back then everything was on paper. There was nothing on computers. <laughs> so we had our own little folders and it was called a 1 to 31 follow-up and each number from 1 to 31 represented the day of the month. So I would turn to, let's just say, number two, which might be the second of, and I would turn to that page and I'd have a look at the needs analysis, which was a form that customers would complete when they'd come in. So the ones that didn't join up and buy a membership, 
they were the ones that we would write. We would write some type of information on the back just to remember what it was about and we would file them under the day that we're going to follow them up. So I remember sitting there and I'm in my office and I open up this folder and each paper looks the same. I'm looking at the front and I turn the page over and I look at the notes that I've written on the back to help jog my memory. And, you know, each of them looked the same. Uh, And it was because they pretty much had the similar goals, except for unless there was a customer that really had, you know, some specific qualities or there was like a conversation or someone I really clicked with. And, you know, I'd see them, their name on that piece of paper and I think, oh, that's right, I remember them. So the first half an hour, I'd be sitting there just, you know, contemplating, you know, who will I call first? And then negative self-talk will start saying, oh, they don't know that I'm going to be calling. And, you know, if I call them, maybe they might seem that I'm a bit pushy and I don't want to come across desperate and they don't know I'm following them up. And I had all these conversations going on in my head. So I thought to myself, how can I make this easier? And the biggest thing for me was that they didn't know that I was calling. And because they didn't know that I was calling, I felt like I was coming across really salesy or, you know, desperate for the sale. And for me, my style was never about being this hardcore salesperson. It was always about how can I get this person to achieve their goals, which is still the way that I sell today. It's how do I get my client getting their goals? For me, I'm just that bridge. And, you know, I the type of selling that I teach, and if you've gone through any of my type of sales training courses, you'll see that it's always about working on that customer's true needs, their ultimate goals, their priorities. So then it actually flips the selling game into more of the buying game. It gets the customer in the buying mindset instead of you feeling like you have to sell. So I'm sitting there in my office and I'm looking through and I'm thinking, oh, here's another day of having to do follow-up calls. And I decided that I would start to say to customers that I would call them. So the first thing I would do was I'd say, okay, so how long do you need to think about it? And the weird thing back then, everyone used to think a week. And nothing has changed. Still to this day, when I go into businesses and I work with their team, um, the team members still think that people need a week to think about it. The sad thing is, though, after one week, the customer's emotion has died down. And if you know about what makes people buy, what makes people buy is the emotion. The emotion pulls them in. It's either the excitement or the fear of not having or how it's going to make them feel in some way, shape or form. And then they justify it with the logical you know, rationale. So in a week's time for many people, they start to go cold. So I created what's called a three-day hot period, which means you want to be able to follow that person up within three days. Otherwise, they're going to go from hot to, to warm to cold. <laughs> so I noticed when I said to customers, you know, um, it's great, so you want to have a think about it. Um, how long do you need to think about it for? And because I kept getting a week, uh, I started to shorten it down and just say, so how long did you think about it for? Is it, you know, a day or a couple of days? And, you know, normally I'd just have a little bit of a head nod, um, just hopefully just thinking, yes, please say, you know, just a day. Because <laughs> I knew to notice the ones that did have a day to think about it were the ones that normally joined up. But the longer they left it, they'd come back in six months' time. And, you know, unfortunately, with the type of product that I had, people would get fatter and fatter and fatter and more depressed and they'd come back and they're even more overweight. And, you know, they should have got started when they did, but they didn't. So 
this is the process I'm going to teach you and I've tweaked it over the years with my knowledge and the um, the with just how it's actually changed over the years. You know, the one thing is we want to be able to stay up to date with things. We want to be able to stay up to date with the times. So this is going to be the perfect formula for you for a follow-up call and it allows you to have some flexibility as well. We want to make sure that you've got your own authenticity there. So I'm just going to give you the steps and then you can sort of put your own authenticity and a bit of a spin on it so it's really you, so you're not sitting there like a, a robot being all heavily scripted. So the very first thing when the customer um, says they want to have a think about it, you would normally go in and you'd start to question and start to talk about what that objection is about. Now that is a completely different training session that um, you know goes into a fair bit of detail with all the different objections that they could have. A customer could say they want to have a think about it. They could say they need to talk with their partner. They don't have the money on them at the moment. They don't get paid till next week. If it's a business, it might be that we just need to send a proposal through to upper management. It might be that there needs to be a board meeting. Team. So it depends on what your customer is or why you need to get back to them in the first place. So objections, whole different kettle of fish. Today, I'm going to pretend that you have no idea how to do objections and we're going to go straight into setting up that follow-up call. So customer says, great, I'm going to have a think about it. You would then say, that's fine, I can totally understand that. The first thing you want to do is you want to acknowledge. You want to acknowledge and put yourself in their shoes and empathize because you understand that there's times when you need to have a think about things as well, right? So the first thing is, instead of feeling like the customer's being backed into a corner, we want to make sure that they feel like there's an ease and we want to back off the pressure instead of put that accelerator down. So you want to say, yeah, sure, look, I totally understand that or I respect that. If you don't understand it, just respect it. <laughs> I respect that. Do you mind if I ask, how long do you need to think about it for? We're talking about just like, you know, overnight. Is it just to check with somebody? Is it perhaps, you know, um, next couple of days? And just put a really soft little head nod in there. What I want you to do is preempt a short time frame. The shorter the time frame, the faster the decision and the easier it is for you to get them on board. The longer the time frame, the higher chance it can be that the feeling of excitement that they have in that meeting or that phone conversation or Skype or however you have that conversation with that customer, the higher chance or risk that you're taking for that excitement or for that, that feeling of that need being or desire being fulfilled will start to decrease. So you want to try and preempt that. Now, retail, it's shorter than that. It's like within 30 minutes, a person will start to die down because normally retail, some things catch your eye. So you're not even um, you know searching for a specific thing. Where for services um, or a product where a customer has been thinking about it for a while, you normally have about a three-day hot period. So in retail, if somebody says to you, um, can you put this on hold? Or I'm just going to have a think about it. It's really great to say, yeah, sure. How long do you think you need to think about it? Because I can put it on hold for about half an hour. Um, and that just helps speed up that process because the fear of missing out, the fear of, you know, losing that product or, you know, especially in retail, people like hide things behind the end of the rack. I know I've done that plenty of times as well. So it's, we want to make sure that you have a bit of that anticipation there. 
um, and we want to keep with that feeling of excitement. So the first thing is we want to create a time frame of how long they need to think about it for. The second thing is we want to then organize for us to touch base because they'll probably have some questions um, or need some extra information after they've had some time to think about it. So the next step we're going to say is absolutely. Okay, so a couple of days. Well, look, how about if we touch base in two days time? So today's Monday, so on Wednesday, and um, I'll touch base with you and any questions that you might have, I'll be able to answer it and then we can find out if you're going to move forward or not. So you actually just set up the time. How easy is that? Then you actually have that permission to call. Now, the funny thing is most customers will say, okay, yeah, great, because they're at that peak of um, of emotion. Plus what's happening is they're in two minds. They flip across the logical mind saying, is this going to be worth it? Um, can I afford it? Will I get it cheaper somewhere else? Will it actually do what they say it's going to do? They're going through all these different questions in their mind, and that's why we can't make decisions. The decision of why we're doing a follow-up call is normally because the customer hasn't got a strong yes at the moment. So for them, they think they need to buy time. And later on, when you um, you know learn about objections, you'll understand how to actually you know reduce your follow-up rates to you know a very very low percent of out of customers, probably about three percent. Um, if you work with corporates or large companies, it does it is different uh, because they do need a board and you know there's a different process there. However, if it's B two B and you're working with the decision maker, or if it's you know B two C business to customer, then the the decision should be made on the spot pretty much. So that's how you set up a follow-up call. But now to the actual follow-up call. The biggest tip I can give you is not to ring up with the objection. I noticed back in the past, years and years ago, that I would ring up with the objection and the customer would give me the objection back. And if you think the objection is what stops you, stops them, so why would you ring up with the objection that's stopping them instead of ringing up with the need, the want, the desire, the outcome, the solution, or whatever it is that they came to you for or that your business solves? So what I would strongly suggest, and this is the biggest mistake I see, is that people ring up with the objection. And look, I was, I was doing it too. So how do we actually flip this? So the first thing you can do, it's optional, is acknowledge the objection. But if you acknowledge the objection, you need to go into the second part very fast. You see, acknowledging objection is only necessary if it's a bit of a doozy. So if they needed to, you know, get their timetable because, you know, they've got a split different type of roster and there's like this whole massive objection then perhaps you need to acknowledge that. But if it's something as simple as, you know, you said you wanted to have a think about it, you're not going to ring up and say that, okay, because that is the barrier right there. So I'm going to give you an example of two of them. One is acknowledging the objection, the other one is without. So the first one, the perfect formula would be acknowledge the objection, recap their goals um, or your discussion, and then invite them to move forward. So option one is this. Hi, John. How are you? It's Annette here. Fantastic to hear. John, look, I really loved meeting you the other day. It was just so great to actually find out about how we can help you with X, Y, Z. I recall that you had a bit of a tricky roster and you had to go back and have a look at it and when you're going to be available to move forward. 
I also recall that you said that your biggest need was this, this, and this. And I remember we also discussed about this. So I'm just giving you a quick call just to find out how soon we can actually move you forward to fix all that. Pretty easy, hey? Acknowledge their objection. Move straight into recapping their goals or the discussion or both. And then invite them to move forward. That is it. So simple. Otherwise, you don't have to acknowledge your objection. If somebody says to you they want to just have a think about it, normally you would know how to overcome that. But if you don't, you would then go into, hi, John, it's Annette here. How are you? Great to hear. Look, I really loved you know, having a chat to you. I recall that we discussed this, this, and this. And I recall that your ultimate goal was this. And I said that this is how we can actually help you. So I'm just wondering how soon we can actually get you moving forward so we can actually fix that challenge. Never acknowledge the objection. So how to do your perfect follow-up call? Three easy steps. If you acknowledge the objection, you need to go straight in to recapping their goals and discussion. There's no break there. So you're not going to say, I heard that you're going to check with your, you're going to check your roster. Have you checked your roster yet? Okay. You're not going to go into asking that question if they've done that. You acknowledge it, but then you move straight into the next part, which is recapping their goals, and then you invite them to move forward. Otherwise, if it's just a basic, I want to have a think about it, um, or I'm just going to have a bit of a look around somewhere else, then you're going to go straight into not worrying about acknowledging that and just going straight into recapping their goals and inviting them to get started. Now, to put the cherry on top is your own authenticity. You can fatten that up a little bit. You might want to put some rapport at the start. You might go into just a bit of conversation because you might remember something that's you know, going to be an integral part of building uh, that continual rapport. So it might be, Mary, look, I recall that you said you were taking the boys to the soccer. It was their grand final. How did they go? Um, I recall that you're going fishing on the weekend or you're going, um, you know, skiing or you um, were getting a brand new TV. How did you go with that? Did you grab it? Fantastic. So you can bulk it up with how you would naturally build rapport and loop it into the conversations that you're having with them outside of your products and services. How to deepen rapport is how do you broaden the conversation than just around the products and services that you deliver. And um, that can really help thicken up your conversation. So put your little spin on it. One thing I wouldn't do would be the taking a break between acknowledging and the part two, which is going into their needs and wants. That area there, there's no flexibility. <laughs> I would keep those three steps pretty close together with not too much, um, you know, questioning in between. So just build your conversation on the outskirts of that. And obviously the authenticity on how you relate those three steps into your natural communication and you mold it into your products and services. So that is how to build a follow-up call. You're listening to Cashflow Candy and this is Annette Lackovich. Hope you enjoyed the session today and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. You're listening to Cashflow Candy. This is Annette Lackovich and if you want to join me for more interviews and great sales and business advice, make sure you subscribe to my Cashflow Candy show. That way you get regular updates. Let's keep boosting your sales and building the business of your dreams.